John 17, verses 24 to 26. Hear the word of God. Jesus prays, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. A righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known to them that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever here among us. So let's, let's talk about the future, um, where we're going. Uh, what, what comes next uh, and, and how we get there. Um, some days the future seems really bright. You're excited for it. You're, you're looking forward to the things that are coming, for the newness that that can bring. Uh, other days, not so much. Other days the future can feel very, very bleak. And we fear, feel our fear and our worry and anxiety over what's coming. And a lot of days when you think about the future, it's just uncertain. We're not, we're not sure what's coming. We're not sure what it means to be prepared for it. We're not sure what we're stepping into uh, and how, how that's going to go. At the conclusion of this prayer, uh, Jesus prays about the future. Uh, we get to hear Jesus praying uh, for your future, for the future of the church, uh, that we get to know what's certain. We get to know where our hearts can rest and what we can look forward to. We hear him pray about that future, what it is and what's coming. Uh, We also hear the ground for that future, why we can be certain of it. Uh, Not only that, but as we wait for that future, we continue marching, sometimes trudging on. He also tells us what sustains us in the middle of that as we look forward to the fullness of what he's done. What's the future look like for you? Make sure it's looking a few days down the way, uh, next week, the rest of the summer. Looking forward to that. Uh, what's, the, what's the future look like for you? And how does, how does it shape what you're dealing with? How does the future that Christ talked about here uh, shape how you live now? And what we're moving toward? So we're going to take uh, three different parts, each with the, with the different verses of it. So first of all, just starting with verse 24, uh, what we see there. Jesus really here makes uh, one of the most direct statements uh, that he that in, in the entire prayer uh, as he as he as he talks here speaking of the whole church all believers past and future on uh, the way we read it I desire that they may be with me where I am that you get to hear Jesus's heart's desire uh, opened up before the Father for what he's looking forward to what he longs for um, and what he wants is you. What he wants is his people from every tribe, language, uh, nation, and and throughout history. He looks forward to his people being with him. Father, I desire that those that you have given me, all believers, that those that you have given me may be with me uh, where I am. First point we'll just describe as as wanted forever. Uh, This is what you get to look forward to, what you get to hold on to. Um, it's It's a beautiful thought. I don't know that I often just think about it that way. 
uh, does Jesus want me with him? I worry about the things that maybe get in the way of that or whatnot. But that Jesus' desire, as he's aware of our failings, as he's approaching crucifixion, the desire of his heart is for us to be present with him. And even in the passage, it's, it's somewhat stronger than that, right? Uh, some of the older translations put it, uh, uh, Father, uh, I will that they would be with me. And it's throughout John's uh, gospel, Jesus talks about the Father's will and that everything that he's doing is from, is from the Father's will. And so here we get to hear about Jesus' will. It's not, it's not kind of a, a fleeting desire or, or just a, a current uh, interest that he has. Uh, this is his set intention. Uh, this is his plan. Uh, this is his purpose, right? He's, he's speaking of the very purpose of redemption. That his desire, what he wants, he says to the Father, I will. And what Jesus wills is what the Father wills, is what the Spirit wills, is what I will uh, come about. And he desires of it and is wanted. Um, uh, he, he, we can describe it as being, being wanted forever. That Jesus prays uh, this as a certain future for all believers. Full uh, restoration for him. This outcome uh, from redemption. Now, uh, I think most of us maybe in Jesus' place, at least for me, I'm not sure that would be what would be on my mind at that point. Um, here Jesus is going to crucifixion. He's praying to be restored to his glory uh, with the Father. His work is about to be completed. Um, I think a lot of times our emotions might be more in the lines of, okay, Father, I'm done. I've suffered under it. I've dealt with it. Um, and now take me away from all of this. Take me away from, I mean, I love the disciples, but they're constantly missing it, right? Even the disciples, like, don't get who Jesus is. Jesus is. He's telling them the most significant things about our redemption. They're like, yeah, so which of us gets to be more important, right? Um, from the whole of, of society, uh, he is betrayed by one of his uh, closest friends, handed over Jew and Gentile uniting uh, together to crucify the Lord of glory. I'd be like, take me away from them. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to be done with all of this and be back to you where things are the way I want them. But Jesus says, Father, what I want is what you've given me. I want to be with them forever and them to be uh, together with me. Uh, that's his desire of it. So Jesus is, even Jesus' uh, physical separation that's, that's coming for a, for a bit uh, is a temporary thing. Right? It's temporary not just because he comes back in a new resurrected body and then is with his disciples, but that certainly tells you that, yes, he means this, that he wanted to be with them and to show themselves to him, even when Thomas is like, uh, but like, really? Can I, can I touch there? Did this happen? Um, Jesus wanted to be with them. Uh, not, not just the pouring out of the Spirit, for Jesus to continue to be present with them, the fullness of himself in the Spirit uh, sent to indwell uh, believers. But the continuing uh, in Jesus' ascension is a longing for a day that's to come. There is an anticipation of what Jesus prays for uh, right here. Right, every time when we come to the Lord's Supper is one of the things that, that I love about it. In any of the words, in any of the uh, recordings in the, in the Gospels or 1 Corinthians, there's a right, proclaiming uh, the Lord's death until he comes. Or on Jesus' eyes, until I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. There's this anticipation. Um, and I love that it's, an anticip that it's on both sides. 
It's not just you looking forward to then when things will be all right and you'll be with Jesus. It is Jesus in glory with the Father still anticipating when all of his people will be with him in greater fullness. Uh, that's what Jesus wants. That's what Jesus wants with you, uh, with his people throughout the world and all those that he's, that he's calling to himself. Uh, Jesus, Jesus wants you. In John 14, uh, Jesus is telling the disciples that he's leaving and they're very concerned about this because they have kind of given up most of what was their life to be following him. And they're like, well, wait, where are you going? What, what's going to happen with this? And then what Jesus says to them, uh, he says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. And I, if I go, I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come back to bring you into that place. So Jesus' separation is a separation in love where he is not uh, leaving us, but is, but is making things where we can be with him. His desire for that, uh, we need to realize, is greater than our own. And he's bringing us more and more uh, in toward that desire. You're thinking then when, um, when in our experience, uh, death comes and it, and it rips us apart. And it hurts so much because of the separation that's involved, right? The separation from people uh, that you love, and now you don't get to relate to them anymore. Uh, but for the believer in Christ, there, there's no separation for them with Christ. Because of his prayer, right? And Jesus on the cross, what does he say to the uh, criminal next to him? But today you will be with me. You'll be with me uh, in paradise. And when we hear Scripture describing uh, Christ's return, uh, Jesus descending uh, from, the, from the clouds, the way that he went up and restoring the, the new creations, the new heavens and the new earth, uh, but who's with him? Uh, but all the saints that have gone before are coming down with him, and we are all gathered together uh, around the land and around the throne because of Jesus' desire for it. And what heightens it even more is that Jesus' desire for us to be with him has a, has a focus to it, right? It is, it is to see my glory. I desire those that you've given me may be with me uh, where I am in order to, to see uh, my glory. And really here he's speaking of the, the fullness of it. Um, something that defies our description or definition well enough to say um, uh, what, what all is involved here, but the fullness of who Jesus is uh, as God and, and man, the fullness of his glory. Um, but what I want to highlight is a, a, uh, it is a deeply, there's a deeply transformative effect um, of an, the experience of being close, to, uh, of, of closeness to beauty. Uh, this is the reason um, uh, you could maybe go and spend hours in an art museum and look at one thing, and it's not because you want to be like the greatest student you know, or like you paid for it, so you're, we're going to be there for four hours. Uh, there, there are things that you go and you look at it and you're transfixed. Uh, and, and you want to see it more. You want to look at it from another angle. You want to share it uh, with someone else. That's why you spend money to go to a concert, uh, whether that's a band that you like, or go to see uh, the orchestra or the symphony, and the way that it can, the way that it moves you. Uh, to hear that expression, the, the beauty of the reality that expresses uh, and how it connects to you, how it can change you. Um, maybe on a different side is just, just being out in the, in the beauty of the world. Um, 
seen that sometimes? Cultivated beauty. If I, can, if I can spend an hour doing something like walking through McClay Gardens, it's going to affect my mood for the rest of the week. Uh, Karen and I had a chance one time to go to uh, Longwood Gardens up in Delaware, this phenomenal place. I don't know how many acres. And all of it is like amazingly cultivated. I could sit there and like spend a day just looking at like, a few of the trees and how they're set up and what all has been done to it. And it, it changes the way that I start to dream about the world that I inhabit. I come back, I look at my own yard differently. <laughs> um, look at the parks and tell, but it, but it changes part of what, what I dream about for the world and, and the way we inhabit it. There's, there's a sense of this being closeness to glory is, trans, is a transformative experience for us. And we see that in things of earthly beauty and things of creative beauty. Uh, but here Christ is speaking of the fullness of it, the transcendent aesthetic experience of being, being with Christ to see uh, the fullness of his glory uh, and how healing that is, uh, how restoring and energizing and invigorating all of that uh, is. First um, John 3.2 says that when he appears, when Jesus appears, we shall, we shall be like him. Uh, because we shall see him as he is. Jesus is saying, I want those that you've given me uh, to be close and near to the very fullness of my glory, uh, even for their benefit and how it shapes them. The fullness of his splendor, Jesus wants you to be with him. Uh, <clears throat> see the way that that, 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 that that impacts you. If that future, if that's what we're headed to, if that's what Jesus prays for, that's his will that we're moving toward, uh, what, what does that mean for you now? What you do with that? It means you get to remind yourself that Jesus isn't tired of you. Um, Jesus isn't kind of just distancing himself from you or, or maybe taking a break until you get things right, until you get it together a little bit, and then maybe this relationship can be restored a little bit more. Um, I mean, I get tired of myself plenty. Uh, I can do the navel gazing of here's this thing. I've, I'm like, oh, am I, am I ever going to be what I want to be able to be? And then just get all those kind of self-frustration just drags down and drags down. I'm, I'm not looking at the right glory, right? Uh, it's lacking out here. Uh, but but Jesus' desire, he, he's not removing himself for us. His desire is to, for us to be uh, with him. He's extending himself uh, toward us. Uh, in the cross and even through resurrection, um, he's not—he's not waiting for it all to get uh, for, for us to get it all together. Uh, he knows our sin and our shortcoming. Right? He's—he's he's not surprised by what things you have done or what things you may end up doing, because uh, we would say scripturally, Jesus has already experienced uh, in His person the effects for everything that you've done and the point of it. He's experienced the penalty of it. He's experienced God's frustration and anger and judgment against it did that because he wanted you. Uh, that he walked through hell uh, for you. He experienced God's anger uh, for you uh, to bring you uh, to himself. <clears throat> for me, hearing Jesus' prayer uh, at the end of his earthly life that way, it also, it also exposes my desires. Uh, here's what Jesus wants. Here's the future that he aims for. A lot of times, even in my prayer, uh, what, am I, what am I praying for? What do I desire? What do I want to see happen? Um, maybe a better day tomorrow uh, for things to be a little, a little bit easier. Uh, 
better job, better interactions, um, better health, better finances, uh, better, better relationships with people, um, whatever things, and things that matter and things that are good. Um, but don't we often hope for a, for a lesser future than what Jesus prays for? And don't we often desire Jesus too little? When here's what Jesus' desire for us is, that you are wanted forever, and that he has secured that. And that gets to be the future uh, that we're moving toward uh, in him. So, so not only wanted forever, not only do we know then the, the future, the goal uh, that, we're, uh, that we're moving toward, that we should be uh, aiming for, but he also speaks in this prayer uh, that it's possible. It gives us the ground for it, the confidence of uh, this future. Right? We need to know if we're moving uh, towards some, toward some goal that there can be uh, progress. So, so secondly, look at verse 25. Verse 25, we see the, the ground uh, for that future, uh, what it makes as a reality. Partic- particularly this, wanted, wanted forever, first of all. So secondly, uh, sent already. Uh, not, that, not that we're sent, but that Christ has been sent for us, right? Jesus says, uh, I know you, and these know what? These know that you have sent uh, me. I know the Messiah. So just because things will be okay in the future doesn't mean that they're okay right now. Right? Just because there is a glorious future uh, that Jesus prays for and that all of his people can look forward to with a confident expectation, it doesn't mean, okay, things are all going to be fine right now with what I'm, what I'm going through. It's not the case. Uh, and, and Scripture acknowledges that and calls us uh, to acknowledge it. In fact, <laughs> Jesus, as he comes to the close in this prayer, uh, he expressly says that things are not yet what they should be. Right? I desire that they would be with me to see the glory that I had uh, with you uh, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And Father, righteous Father, here's what's still the case. The world doesn't know you. Things are still broken. The very condition that that Christ was sent into the world, uh, that John 1 talks about, he was in the world, and yet the world did not know him. That's still true. Uh, There's still all of this uh, brokenness. Um, and so scripture encourages us not to dismiss the reality of present pain, uh, not to gloss over it or pretend that it's, it's not there. It gives us the freedom to acknowledge it uh, for ourselves. It gives us the freedom to acknowledge uh, other people's uh, pain and want to be uh, with them. And then more than the freedom, it, it requires of us to say, yes, that's true. And we're, we're not there yet. And there's a, there's a struggle uh, in a moment. Um, but... Uh, but even so, that things are not uh, without hope. They're not yet where they, uh, where they will be, uh, but we don't see it without hope. I love the particular way that Jesus prays uh, uh, here, the, the, the specific wording that he uses as he speaks to his Father. I don't want to like tie uh, too much on a word, but he, his righteous Father. Right Earlier in the, in the prayer, um, he has said, I... Spoken to God as, as Holy Father. He's spoken of, as he's describing how believers will be set apart from the world uh, because of their relationship with God, he's describing God and his set-apartness. His, his Father is holy. 
first verses as well as uh, verse 24, he speaks just just of father, uh, the intimacy uh, that he has in the personal relationship, father, God the Father and God the Son together. Uh, and here he draws out particularly a righteous father. In other words, that he's praying to the one who knows the way things are supposed to be, the one who, who is altogether right and does everything right, and the one who we can hope to make all things right. And he prays and acknowledges things aren't right. This is not yet uh, the way uh, that they're supposed to be. The present condition is, in fact, utterly unacceptable, as Jesus speaks about it. Right, the world still uh, does not know you. That's what Jesus came uh, into the world for that purpose. And it's a reminder uh, for us that, that we shouldn't just become complacent about that. That's that's the constant uh, experience of reality. There are people that you know. Hopefully, should be plenty of people if you're not just relating to one another. Uh, plenty of people in the world and across the world that still uh, don't relate to God. Don't know him, don't know uh, the, the hope of salvation uh, in Jesus, and that that has been true and continues to be true. And that should break us. Um, that should make us uh, sad and hurt uh, because of it. Right? When, you have a, when you have a friend who's struggling uh, with depression uh, in a deep sense, and, and, and you're with them and you're talking with them, but you see ways where they just they can't see beyond uh, just the current sadness. And that it's difficult for them to know that they love. Even when you sit with them over and over as they describe it, it's hard for them to even recognize that really you love them. That you care about them and that others do and deeply I value your life. As you sit with that friend and you hear them talk about it and their inability to see beyond that, it gets to you. It breaks you. You're sad for them. You grieve with them because you want more for them. So much more so, and for Jesus here, as he says, Father, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you. Uh, that we're to care about the pain uh, of that. Uh, that they don't know if they matter to God. That they uh, keep their distance uh, from God. That they can't uh, see uh, the, the love of God in Christ. It should get to us. It should make us want more for them, uh, to pray uh, for the people around us, to, to speak to them, to live in relationship uh, with the world, uh, pointing out to Jesus. It should get to us uh, both for them and for... That, that's not right for how God deserves to be treated, uh, for who he is. We want people to come into the life of relationship of seeing uh, the glory of God. I was talking to my aunt uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, my grandmother's in her in her mid nineties. Um, my aunt kind of takes care of her, sees her like every day, and and sometimes she's more lucid, and sometimes she's less so. Uh, and so sometimes my aunt will tell me some funny stories of being uh, with my grandmother, and my grandmother will always remember her husband. Uh, but 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 a few months ago, uh, she she thought my uh, aunt was her friend from high school. And she would keep talking to her as if she was her friend from high school. And she asked, uh, she asked uh, her husband, my uncle, like, what are you doing here? I'm married to her. My grandmother's like, you are not? Why, why would you say that, right? Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's funny. I laugh with my aunt. And also I go, that's, that's got to be hard. It's got to be hard as her daughter caring for her day in and day out. Um, and some days would not be recognized. And not be known. 
Uh, and here for the world to not know God is maybe more the picture of a, of a mother who's constantly present with her child, loving their child and doing everything for their child uh, and giving to them and supporting to them that the child can't exist apart from the love and the care of their mother for them. And for the child to completely, uh, get, for the mother to go completely unacknowledged by the child. No relationship. Never say mama. To never, never speak. Never, never to hug back. None of any of those things. Uh, the world not knowing God who made it, who gives his son uh, for redemption, for the redemption of humanity. That's not right. That's not the way that we want the world to be. And we can talk through all kinds of other brokenness and how it gets into every side of life and the way our cities shape and who relates to who and economics and all the different things. Uh, but all of that, the deepest things come here, of the brokenness, the separation, that relationship with God and how that works itself out in all, on all these other things. There's a deep, a deep brokenness that should move us. And it's not one that's easily or quickly fixed. So when you just move in and say, okay, well, you know, to your depressed friend, well, well, here's the advice. Here, I love you. And then now they're going to be okay. There, there's a deep and slow uh, movement toward things. But, but I don't want to get you off. The emphasis of the passage uh, here, as Jesus acknowledges that, praying before his Father, that things are still broken, the emphasis is that the antidote has already come. Right? Here's the world that doesn't know you, but now here I stand, Father, in it, and I know you. I know you fully, and these know that you have sent me. At the very beginning of the prayer, life, eternal life, is knowing uh, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent, of the gospel, that Jesus is the Messiah, that, that God has cared for the world and so sent himself, sent his son uh, into the world to take on their pain and suffering on himself in order to restore that relationship, in order to move things uh, to paradise and a, and a paradise are rebuilt and restored and, and a glorious uh, city paradise to come. That that's who God is and that's what he's done. And now that's in the world and known. Because not only does Jesus know it and has he made it known, but his disciples have already grasped at least part of that truth. And the emphasis, it's like the, uh, it's like the seed has now been planted. Uh, and the watering will continue to grow and it's going to grow, and it's going to grow, and it's going to overtake everything else. Uh, that it's not able to be stopped now that the, that the, seed, has, um, that the seed has come. Uh, we're at, you know, when, you're, when a child is born, or we were at a graduation uh, recently, you know, they call graduations uh, commencements, right? Because when the, that new birth and that new situation, what you're doing is you have a view to all of the future. The hope of what that person will become, what they'll go on to do. You're, you're looking uh, prospectively uh, toward the future. I'm here saying, Father, things aren't right. But the one thing that will eventually make everything right has already uh, been planted and exists and will continue to grow out. I make, I've made your name known and I will continue uh, to make it known. The antidote has come, that Christ the cure has already uh, come into the world, and the, the continuation of it, the working out of the effects of that, uh, will continue uh, to go. I know you, and these know that you have sent me. The blindness has, has been reversed. Darkness uh, is being illuminated. The truth of redemption and restoration and repairing a relationship back to God's uh, love has already uh, taken effect. 
while we're here uh, together and continue to speak of Christ, that there's a ground for our hope in the future because he's already sinned. He's already uh, been sent to us. He's opened up the way of fullness to life forever. Uh, so, so it means then for Christianity that we're not left to, uh, to, to, to fake it till you make it. Uh, you know, Christians often have the reputation of, of, of being fake or, or overly positive or not really re- relating to the reality of things that are wrong. Uh, here, the, to see the depth of the brokenness. And from that lowest point, have hope of the fullness of the future beyond. Because Christ has already come. Speaks into all our worry and anxiety about the future. Speaks of our inability to rest, uh, to be able to take a breather. But Christ has done all all for us. Uh, It also means that that, that we're not left just to to come up with our own solution. That's how I tend to approach life. I tend to approach the future. I'm, a, I'm an analytical you know, thinker, so tell me the problem. Tell me more of what's going on there. And I want to keep kind of working with it and processing it until I, okay, here's what the solution can be. Um, and when I'm left still at the place where I don't know the solution for it, it just, it just keeps sitting in there, right? It's hard, hard to rest. Um, the solution's already been provided for you. Redemption has already uh, been come. The fullness of it is still being worked out in you and in those around you and in the whole of the world. Uh, but here is our confidence uh, that Jesus has already been sent. Uh, he continues uh, to make himself known. We can live by faith, uh, not by sight. But the future looks like being wanted uh, forever. Because Christ has already been sent. And then thirdly, in verse 26, that you are loved. That you are loved uh, even now, right? Jesus prays, Father, uh, that the love, um, the love that you have given me may be in them and I in them. Right? It's not just, a, not just a future or a progress uh, toward that future, uh, but Jesus gives what sustains us as we await that future. If you're, if you're going on a car trip, um, doesn't matter how great the destination is, how fun the trip is, how much plans that you've had uh, going into it. Uh, if you look down uh, along the way on that trip and and you're out of gas, you're you're just stuck, right? Now, then, especially if you're on I-10 where there's like those stretches where there's just nothing. Um, I've run out of gas there before. Really puts a tamper on a trip. Um, where where's the energy to, in order to keep going? Uh, and the gospel uh, says that as we wait for the future, tanks never empty. Uh, the tank actually, actually is always uh, full and overflowing uh, with God's love. Uh, right? I think we're we're always so insecure, though, that we uh, have trouble uh, seeing that. We, we we worry over if we're loved and how much we're loved, right? Bring it into every relationship that we're around. We need those, those affirmations, whether it's things that people do for us, and now, okay, it must be okay, or things that someone uh, says, that then that restores us there, the wholeness. But, but even, even in a deep and long marriage that moves towards deep levels of trust, uh, it just also goes to like deeper levels of vulnerability. And that same insecurity is still there. It's like, but will they continue to love me now? Knowing all this, walking through these things, uh, will, will that continue? Now, that's in every relationship uh, that we bring that in insecurity into and, and even into relationship with God. 
So the standard here for God's love isn't just, but here, God really loves you. He gives us a fuller standard so that we can picture it, so we can see what we get to walk into. Right? Uh, the way that Jesus says it, I hear. What's that standard? I, I've made known to them your name. I will continue to make it known to them that the love, what love? That the love with which uh, you have loved me may be in them. So you get love not because of what you've done or whether or not you've earned that or what insecurity you may wonder about could, could, could displace that love. It's secured on the basis of the way God the Father has loved God the Son. And His love for the Father, or the Father's love for the Son is what gets uh, poured into you continually. Like Romans 5, uh, and God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the encouragement is to bask in it. Uh, to come back again and again and be uh, reminded of it. To, yes, to, to see our sin and know that. But here's God's love that has covered over those things. The depth of the Father's love through Jesus, through his full suffering and through his full exaltation. We can be confident of it at every moment. It involves our justification and our adoption and our sanctification and our eventual our glorification together with Christ. God's love in us and overflowing from us to one another. Because the standard is God's love for his son. Let's just love out of that love. It lets us serve uh, and sacrifice and give for one another. It lets us hurt with one another. Uh, it lets us confess our own sin and brokenness because we can acknowledge it and know that we're still loved. Because God the Father has loved God the Son. How do you look toward, toward the future? Jesus' prayer. You're wanted already. Uh, you're wanted forever, sent already, and loved uh, even now. It makes all the difference of where you're going. It makes all the difference of knowing how to, how to get there. Uh, Friday, we were driving up to South Carolina. Uh, my nephew, I was graduating up around Clemson. Um, and we're taking the whole family up there. Thomas has been up to South Carolina before, but still a long, like a six-hour, seven-hour trip. He's kind of trying to figure out how long that is, right? So, so there's a couple, couple times on the way up there in the trip, we stop at a gas station or later we pass this convention center and there's other cars going in there and there's some event there. And in both of those places, he's like, he's like, Dad, is, is this where we're going? Um, like, no, son, we're, we're still in Georgia. Remember, we're going to South Carolina. I'll get to see Palmer up there. Isn't that still where we get lost? As we look to the future, when it's already be there, we're going, God, is this where we're supposed to be? Uh, are, are, we, are we done yet? Is this all that's, that's, that's wrong? And here in Jesus' prayer, we hear the fullness of what's coming and the security of it. And the love is poured into you now to move you all the way toward that glorious end.